0: Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence.
1: Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we're giving you the tools to make a difference right now.
0: Today, we are popping some extra buckets of popcorn as the primetime January 6th commission hearings air on Thursday, right on the heels of new sedition charges from the Justice Department.
1: That's right. And I have a conversation with actor, activist, and speaking of must see TV, star of the hit series Better Call Saul, Patrick Fabian. So fun. Warning though, there are some spoilers.
0: La 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 la. I can't listen. <laughs> I ha- I'm not caught up. <laughs> uh, um, all of that plus our reasons for. Oh.
1: I'm Steve Pearson.
0: And I'm Mariah Craven. And, and this, this is, is how, how We Win. win. So in this era of streaming, I, I don't know where I am in the Better Call Saul timeline, but I know I'm behind. And so I'm going to sacrifice my suspense mm. and and check out this interview because I think hearing from Patrick is worth getting the, the spoilers oh, I haven't seen
1: yet. I, you know, I don't want anyone to turn away from our interviews, but... Better Call Saul is so good. It's really one of my favorite shows. And I would just, I don't want you to have the spoilers. I would encourage you to just, you know, save the Patrick Fabian interview for after you're all caught up on Better Call Saul. I, I really would. I don't want you to it. It's a great interview. And Patrick is a uh, he's actually a really good friend of mine and um, a amazing activist. And, you know, he's just shows up for everything and volunteers. Mm-hmm. He made a voter registration uh, video for us a few years back. Um, I was going to
0: say, I remember I got, I got some good, I got some good volunteering tips from him at one point.
1: Yeah. That video went everywhere. All the campaigns used it and, uh, and played it for volunteers. Like when they're on the bus on the way to go knock on doors and register voters. And, uh, and so he's done, he's been really helpful. He's a great guy and a lot of fun. And I'm excited for everyone to hear the interview who is caught up. And, you know, if you're, not into breaking bad, better call Saul, then, you know, go, go right ahead, soldier on and, and listen to the interview.
0: Um, probably the only thing more suspenseful (laughs) and, and intriguing than better call Saul right now on TV is going to be, uh, the January 6th committee hearings. The, The way they've set this up is so smart.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. They, um, I, I heard reported that they have a documentary filmmaker who is helping them with the presentation of the material to uh, make sure people see it. The public really needs to see the truth, and, uh, and they need to see it laid out. Uh, of course, Trump and his... Uh, minions who am I you know whatever every, every everyone in his orbit is a minion by the way if they think they're a friend of his or you know um they're they're always doing his bidding but they they have apparently set up some counter programming not a surprise <laughs> and uh, and Fox News is has said they will not be airing um airing these
0: yeah shocker um when we when we talk about protecting our democracy it's you know, the investigation into January 6th, holding people accountable for what happened on January 6th, but it's also presenting the public with the truth. So as interesting and intriguing as this is going to be, this is so critical that all of the, you know, the leaks and the rumors and the, you know, misinformation and disinformation that have been pushed out there, you know, What what the public gets to see and have access to is the truth and then make decisions based on that moving forward. So like you said, the first hearing is going to start on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time committee hasn't announced a formal schedule for the rest of the hearings, um, but there could be as many as eight through through June um, and then a final hearing In September, um, which will obviously kind of coincide with the beginning of early voting, mail-in voting in a lot of places. The committee live streams its hearings, you can watch it online, and all the major news outlets except for Fox have also um, committed to, you know, at least this first hearing. I think
1: we can officially, we could have a long time ago, stop referring to Fox as a major news outlet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not covering these hearings, I mean, uh, this—we've been living with the reality of of this uh, sedition, and it it is, you know. what we talked about in the opening, uh, some Proud Boys have now been charged with sedition. And mm-hmm. uh, and this is serious. This comes from the Justice Department. And Merrick Garland has been very, very careful, uh, may I even say conservative, about uh, charging anybody. And sedition historically is incredibly difficult to convict someone of. In fact, um, I'm not sure anyone... Has been convicted of sedition in a long, long time, and uh, and there's been sedition charges brought uh, against a variety of bad actors over our history. So, uh, but but my overreaching point is we've been living with this for so long, it mm-hmm. almost feels like the world we're in because it is, but it, it cannot be. We were so close to our election being overturned by a violent insurrection, and this goes into uh, what we're going to talk about next with uh, poll workers being recruited by the Republicans and secretaries of state who are election – people running for secretary of state who are election deniers, and this Republican effort to subjugate the will of the people, uh, destroy our democracy and change the course of our history in the worst possible way. This is happening right now, it's so serious. And um, as, as much as I am going to be you know, funneling popcorn into my gullet watching these hearings, uh, it's you know, a very dark time for the history of our country. And we stand at the precipice of our, our very democracy's foundation being uh, crumbled from within.
0: Uh, yeah, this is incredibly important. And so I, I really, really strongly encourage um, people to watch and be like you said, so much has happened since January 6, 2021, um, that, you know, it's easy to forget, but it's going to be important to be reminded how close we were. Um, we're going to be, you know, hearing from members of the Trump administration, from Trump's family. Um i am guessing that the stuff that leaked about, you know, Trump potentially um reportedly uh, being gleeful about the idea of Mike Pence being hanged possibly right. um is is gonna, you know, more is gonna come out. I hope more comes out about um Virginia thomas, Clarence uh, yeah. Thomas's wife and and the role she attempted to play in overturning the election because i, I again, I just think it's just gonna be so important for people to have all of the facts. And then you know the story that you're talking about the story from Politico where these um GOP training and planning tapes have been leaked where you know they're planning on on having an army of poll workers and attorneys contest elections in November elections that haven't happened. Right. You know, elections that there, there's been no indication that these elections are going to be tampered with like we talked about last week, you know, Republicans so far in the primaries seem to be satisfied with how elections are being run. Yeah. Um, uh, So it's a a little weird that they're planning for, you know, I guess it's not weird.
1: (laughs) It's so obvious. It's 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 so ridiculously obvious (laughs) that it's like ham-handed and, and like, you know, I, I think that's the, the trap that we fall into because it seems so dumb. It seems yeah. so obvious and so dumb. We're like, we don't have to worry about them because they so stupid, but we really do have to worry about them because um, they are uh, boundless in their gall. They, they just will do anything to, as I said earlier, subjugate the will of voters and undermine our democracy. It's happening right now. So we need to fight back against it. Uh, Patrick actually talked a little bit about it in the interview, but the way we counter that is by showing up in droves. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners probably volunteered to be poll workers and, um, mm. And you know, uh, poll watchers. There's election um, integrity stuff that we that we can do on our end to make sure that people aren't being intimidated at the polls and 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 all of that. So um, it comes down to us volunteering. I mean, we really, really need to step up. This is the most important election of our lives. I'm saying it again and again because it's just true. It's not hyperbole. It's the most important election of our lives. If we don't make it through this one, uh, I, I don't know where our democracy will stand. And we have a lot to overcome because of the just ridiculous stuff that these Republicans are doing. So, you know, step up, volunteer, be a poll worker, get a million people to come out and vote, or five. You know, get five people to come out and vote. That's more doable. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I do believe we can win and and expand our expand our, our majority in the Senate that's the key but um uh, we yeah, got to do whole, it together
0: um great great advice and, and like let's remind people of that call to action over the next couple of months to sign up to be a poll worker if you think you can take off um or you're available on election day and during early voting that that's a really important um and under underserved role. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, give everyone an update, uh, about what's going on in the Senate with, um, you know, common sense gun policies and legislation, and just remind people, according to the gun violence archive so far this year, we're halfway through the year now, there have been 247 mass shootings. Um, obviously there were more over the weekend in cities a- across the country, um, 18,823 people have lost their lives to gun violence halfway through the year. Mm. 155 children under 11 have been killed by a gun and 323 have been injured. We're halfway through the year. What are we on track for? 561 teens killed. 1,400 injured so far this year. So what are we doing about it? Um, A bipartisan group of senators is currently discussing gun legislation Mm. right now. However, (laughs) Texas Senator John Cornyn is in the room. Which means, that's my senator, which means that he is going to talk a big game about the importance of the Senate doing this and that it be a bipartisan effort. And then he's not going to do anything. Um, He has said that renewing a federal ban on assault weapons is a no go for him limiting high capacity magazines no go raising the age to purchase a semi automatic rifle to 21 from the current age of 18 not doable for him. So what is what is he what is he okay with doing Um, red flag laws, mental health and school safety funding improvements to background checks. Um, we know that those things probably would not have stopped the shooter in Uvalde, Texas. Um, probably would not have stopped the shooters uh, this weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, so, you know, great, yeah. great. You're gonna do. You're gonna. You we're we're gonna w- waste a whole lot of time. And halfway through the year, let's see where we are at the end of the year with these BS minuscule drip 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 policies whatever i just also want to remind people in the last election cycle john cornyn received nearly eighty thousand dollars from the nra and according to the brady campaign texas averages over 3600 gun deaths per year that is so much higher than every other state Um, make of it what you will that that those two things are, are are tied together
1: yeah, you know, I mean, um, I would be happy with anything at this point. Like, you know, there's so much we need to do. The stuff that you described, you know, renewing the federal ban on assault weapons, limiting high capacity magazines and raging, raising the age of uh, to purchase a semi-automatic rifle to 21. That so just reasonable. seems so reasonable, like common sense, you know. Uh,
0: Common
1: sense. It's just common sense, and you know, you know what? Ninety percent of Americans agree with us about that too. Um, but having said that, the Senate, being what it is right now, if we can pass some red flag laws, um, that's going to save some lives. You know, um, yeah. if we can, you know, strengthen background checks, that's going to save some lives. So I'll, I'll take it, and I'm going to work like hell to uh, expand our majority in the Senate, get rid of the filibuster, and really pass some meaningful legislation. That's, that's our task. That's, you know, that's how we make some change. Uh, we haven't had the opportunity. We've been stuck because of the filibuster. Um, hey, how about getting rid of the filibuster and, uh, and actually ratifying Washington, D.C. as the 51st state?
0: Oh, that sounds like fun. Th-
1: that could that could make some <laughs> lasting change in the Senate, too. Um, so, uh, you know, and this this also segues into one of our actions for the week, of course. Um yep. it, and that's this Saturday is the March for Our Lives uh, marches all over the country. Find one near you. I'll be there in uh, in downtown Los Angeles. Um, and uh, we'll probably bring you all next week some recordings from that march. But uh, join in and, uh, and support the kids, support our kids, uh, support our families. And, um, and let's really be the, the party of pro-life.
0: All right. Um, I want to talk about our hero of the week this week. <laughs> We have two here. We're getting a double double dose of heroes this week. I like it. Um, uh, How We Win podcast fave. Maybe it's just Mariah Craven fave. No, but. It's, it, is, it
1: is a How We Win fave.
0: <laughs> uh, Jess she Morales Rocketto, um, and Stephanie Valencia have raised $80 million to launch a new Hispanic media company called the Latino Media Network. Wow. This is so incredible. Like when you think about um they they're both um activists and when you think about activists doing big things, you think about them, you know, mobilizing tons of people or, you know, raising uh, like lots of of money for you know, campaigns to just to support domestic workers and raise the minimum wage and stuff, which they've done. Right. You don't necessarily think about activists raising 80 million dollars and buying 18 radio stations. Um, this is incredible. We talked a little bit about the um, earlier about the importance of getting the truth about the uh January 6th committee hearings. This truth-telling is such an important cornerstone of our democracy. I am so excited for Jess and Stephanie and I'm so proud of what they're doing and just blown away. So congratulations to them.
1: Absolutely. And I am so glad that you picked them for our Hero of the Week. Uh, Heroes of the Week, I should say. Um, I We first met Jess um, back when we were in Las Vegas for that gun form and we were doing some interviews um, there and we had interviewed um,
0: Cecile Richards they were they doing do. a, they were doing a, a super bus majority. tour supermajority bus tour across the country
1: Right and and Jess was one of the founders of Supermajority and right. uh, and we were there interviewing Cecile and then we had some time and uh, and they said would you like to interview Jess as well and we we're like yes of course Hell yeah um I had I I wasn't familiar with her, and she blew me away with her interview. It was so moving, and Mm -hmm. uh, and we've had her husband, Ross, on the show, who is equally amazing. Incredible. Um, Run uh,
0: for something.
1: Yes, co-founder of Run for Something. They are just so incredible, and I follow her on Twitter, and she gives me... So much hope and so yeah. much inspiration all the way, all the time. That um, I, I literally just this week I was like, okay, I need to reach out. We got to get her back on the show and talk to her. But I didn't know about this, and then you put it as, as our hero of the week. So um, I think we should reach out to both of them, to Jess and Stephanie, um, and talk mm-hmm. about the Latino Media Network. But um, they are amazing. Follow them both on Twitter and. They they just might single-handedly save our democracy.
0: Maybe. They really make me wonder what I'm doing with my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. She does so much. They,
0: they are just – it's, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, they have 24 hours in the day. I have 24 hours in the day. <laughs> right. It's, it's not – but time is not working the same over here in Austin as it is, you know – in, I've I got in DC. <laughs>
1: I've got Candy Crush to play and Better Call Saul to watch, so you know, <laughs> I I can't quite do as much but but speaking <laughs> of speaking of things to do, let's talk about this week's to-do list.
0: All right, we we touched on this a little bit, but I think it's it's worth repeating. Um, find a March for Our Lives event near you and stop by, show support, let your voice be heard. Steve mentioned that you know any anything helps in the that we can get the Senate to do, but let's show them that we want all the things that we're all in support of all of the things, and showing up on Saturday is one way to do that.
1: Absolutely, and then the second thing is, of course, we are. Still raising money. We will be. Uh, This will be an ongoing to-do list until the election in November for the How We Win Fund. And uh, that's the fund that will go to the races that need it the most. We're working with our friends at Swing Left on this. Um, So they take the guesswork out of where your dollar is going to make the biggest impact. And um, we're excited to be doing this with uh, our friends at MSD w media family of podcasts we've got some i don't know if i can break news yet but we've got some exciting stuff that we're going to be doing in the future around this fund too but in the meantime please donate what you can go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win once again that's swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win Um, and donate what you can. I don't know. I felt like radio voicing that. Um, You know, donate what you can. Share this with your friends. Uh, We're working on getting a hundred individual donors on this. We are almost there. So maybe this week we can take it over the top. And uh, yeah, this is the time, man. Early money.
0: Early money is like yeast. Uh, Makes everything rise. Okay, we are going to be back uh, in a moment with Steve's interview with Patrick Fabian, and then, of course, our reasons for hope.
1: Patrick Fabian is a TV and film actor who has most recently been starring as Howard Hamlin on one of my favorite shows, Better Call Saul. What you may not know about Patrick is that he is also a dedicated activist and a member of SAG-AFTRA's National and Los Angeles Local Board of Directors. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Hi, glad (laughs) to be here. I got to correct you right out of the gates, though. I used to be on the National Board of SAG-AFTRA. I served for about ten years, and I have stepped away in uh, in the last year or two.
1: Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Time
2: for new blood. Time for new ideas. Time and, for uh, someone
1: to update the Wikipedia page that oh, I use. Oh, <laughs> is that my Wikipedia says? Well, <laughs> yeah. you know
2: what? I'll take the feather as long as it's blowing in the wind. But uh, the truth <laughs> is, I, I I am not serving at the moment.
1: Okay. Well, um, I'll we'll still talk about you. I'm still in Saul, though. Yeah. Okay. You're still in Saul. So salt. that's true. Well, we want to talk about that, of sure. course. Sure. Um, you've a lot of great stuff and now you're on the prequel to breaking bad better call saul in its final season on amc and amc (laughs) plus there we go which everyone knows already and uh i i guess we're gonna do spoilers on this or you know i mean oh let's do
2: right if you have not watched the first
1: seven episodes of season six
2: of better call saul walk away or fast forward i guess you don't walk away
1: Fast forward. I don't want. I don't want them to leave the podcast. No, though. don't leave so the podcast. The, so like, just you know. go back and listen to last week's episode with uh, D. A. Gascon. You oh, know. D. A. Gascon.
2: I was at a fundraiser for him, a virtual fundraiser uh, mm. during his campaign. What was it two years ago?
1: He. Um, well, no, it was in 2020. I guess. Yeah, coming on two years. Actually. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. We uh, we hosted a fundraiser along with my sister in law to raise money for him.
1: Well, let's let's jump in. Uh, no, we got to talk Better Call Saul. Oh, Better Call Saul. Then, then we'll, then Spoilers we'll, again. We're going to talk about 607. But okay. I do want to hear about your fun, the, the work that you do as an activist, because that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but like, I'm really excited about Better Call Saul, and I... Was around you when you got it? Can you talk about like what that was like? like how did you find out? How did you audition? right well, exactly I
2: audition people people often ask, oh, so did Vince Gilligan offer you the part and the reality is <laughs> i'm I'm a working stiff and um, yeah. I've auditioned for virtually every job I've ever had as an actor for the last thirty years and casting directors are the ones who have given me those opportunities so special shout out to bialy thomas sharon bialy and sherry thomas they're the ones who brought me in for the audition for better call saul mm-hmm. and um sherry thomas in particular read with me uh meaning that she heard me do my first take on uh on the uh audition which was terrible <laughs> and like a good casting director she adjusted me mm. and then that's the tape that we sent and that's the one that got vince Gilligan and peter gould's attention and then i got the job so when i got the job i i I wasn't really sure of the magnitude of the job because I had not watched Breaking Bad. And I've told this story before. My wife was nine months pregnant when Breaking Bad came out. And we were watching the pilot and she was rubbing her belly, Miracle of Life, and we're watching the pilot of Breaking Bad and it ends and she turns to me on the couch and says, yeah, I'm not on board with this. (laughs) Fair enough, and I was like, I get it. So it's we, quite violent. Yeah, so we didn't watch it in its first iteration, and we didn't watch it when all of a sudden it moved to Netflix, and then that the big wave. We had another kid, so you know, I ended up watching Clifford the Big Red Dog uh, and Super Why. Did and- you
1: ever audition for Clifford?
2: Uh, no, no. <laughs> I couldn't, had I gotten on Clifford, I would have been a hero to my kids. <laughs> right, um, But we never I never watched Breaking Bad the whole way. So I auditioned for Better Call Saul, and I get the job. And then all of a sudden, I watch all of Breaking Bad. I binge it basically in a week. And then all the, the enormity of it goes like, oh, wow. And uh, I'm actually glad I didn't watch it before you auditioned. I think it probably would have really uh, gotten in my head about yeah. it. But I got the job, and I was so excited. Great. And then I heard it was being shot in Albuquerque. And I was like, Albuquerque? I I love to go to the ocean like every day if I could. Right. So Albuquerque, in case of those who don't know geographically, uh, is landlocked and does not have an ocean anywhere (laughs) near it. However, went to Albuquerque, started shooting the show. And of course, you know, in the shadow of the 800-pound gorilla, which was Breaking Bad, uh, we crossed our fingers and put our noses down to the grindstone and got to work. And working with that team was fantastic, uh, probably the best uh, artistic experience I've had in my life, because wow. I was surrounded by just top of the line people when it came to, to lighting, to, to cinematography, to scripting and, and costumes. Shout out to Jennifer Bryan, who you know, gave me Howard Hamlin's suits, <laughs> which are uh, made by Stefano Taylors right here in Los Angeles. Do you get to keep any of those? No, 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 no. no. I get asked that all the time. Because <laughs> the suits, well one, the suits really did 90% of the acting, I swear. Um, <laughs> And two, the, they're very expensive and yeah. they probably paid more for the suits than they did for the guy in them. So they're keeping the suits. <laughs> I got to walk free. Right. Uh, but the show's been a great, great ride. And, uh, you know, it hit with the critics. It hit with some fans. And it's been a slow build and a slow burn. We've taken about a year between each uh, uh, each season. And yeah. with COVID giving the, the, the two-year bump, right. we were a little worried that coming back for the finale, people other than the hardcore fans would be like, meh, so much. But it turns out... There was a real appetite to sort of see this one to the end. Our numbers have been great. The fan response has been fantastic. And the yeah. critics have also been showering us with a lot of love. And you know, there's only six more episodes left starting June 11th on AMC and AMC+. Plus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm programmed to say that. Wow. And the first Impressive. seven have been wonderful for me. I got a lot to do with my character this season, a lot more uh, behind the scenes of what makes Howard tick. Until his tick got talked. Not so much
1: for the rest of the season. Not so much for the rest of the season. <laughs> right. I, his services will not be required, as <laughs> right. they say. Right. Um, yeah, I I think I was uh, with you right around when you got it. And I think I remember you not having seen Breaking Bad. Because Breaking Bad, I think, was the best show in the history of television. And um, and now Better Call Saul. It just I I kind of lumped them both together. They're sort of really of a piece. I know they're separate shows, but they're yeah, they, but they're, they're, really... they're of the universe. They're in the same closet. They're yeah. just different shirts. Yeah, exactly. It's different very expensive suits in the same closet, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> 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 um. So you meant that's incredible. It that was. It's been a great experience, and it's fun, been the best of fun to you watch.
2: Know, yeah, you know, as as an actor, anybody out there who's who works freelance uh, understands. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, feast or famine, and mostly famine. And uh, as an actor, it's so lucky to get on something and have it run more than one season, let alone be able to complete its storytelling in six seasons. And, um, and it's really fantastic. And, uh, and of course, now the show is over. We've, we've finished shooting it. And the, the same paranoia that I had before I got this job, sets right back into your right. brain. Oh, I'm never gonna work again? work again, will right. I ever work again? It's, <laughs> right. it's every actor's lament. I don't think it ever leaves your body. Yeah. And if, even when you get a job, you go, yay, I got a job. There's like a five minute window when wardrobe calls you. And that's when you know you have the job. When wardrobe calls you, you definitely have the job. <laughs> um, but there's that five minutes when you get off the phone with wardrobe, you're like, hey, I really booked this job, that's great. And then the next thought is like, oh, it's gonna end August 1st, what am I gonna do then? Right. So I'm back in that state right now. I'm enjoying that the show is airing. I'm loving all the social media love that's coming for the show. Uh, and I'm basking in it and enjoying the sunshine and the spotlight while it's on us. But it's Good. a moving spotlight, and I know you got to get back to work.
1: Well, clearly, I'm glomming on to some of it by bringing you on the podcast uh, right look, now, Look, it took too. you six years to finally have me on, so <laughs> don't don't think I haven't noticed that. Six years, no. It says we haven't had. This is episode 130. So. Well, it feels like six years, though. <laughs> um. Before we move on, I'm going to just ask like the dumb question that everyone has asked you, but, uh, you know, like behind the scenes with Better Call Saul, is there like a really memorable moment that happened, uh, you know, something that that's sticks out that maybe you haven't oh, yeah, shared? Oh
2: yeah, I can come up with a, there There's a whole bunch. You know, we became a real family while we live in there. Um, as a matter of fact, it's public knowledge that Ray Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler and Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul Goodman, uh, the three of us lived together for the last three or four years together in a house. And right. So it was kind of like a college dorm. We'd go to work together all day. <laughs> we'd chat in between scenes. Then we'd come home and then like any good dormitory or house, you end up at the kitchen late at night eating French fries and gossiping about what you did that day and then preparing for what you're doing the next day. So... It really was a home away from home. And along the way, we rescued a dog off the desert. The dog gave birth in our backyard. Ray (laughs) Seahorn was the only one there to midwife them. And two of those dogs now live in my house here in Los Angeles. So we had deep (laughs) roots there, a lot of fun. Um, But in terms of the camaraderie and set, we used to go watch everybody else work. When I wasn't working, I'd go watch Ray work and vice versa. One of our favorite times, uh, I think it was the end of season four uh, Mike Trout, played by the indomitable uh, Jonathan Banks, mm-hmm. has to dispatch of Werner, who was the German uh, engineer building the super lab, for those in the know. Right. And they were shooting up on the high desert, up on a plateau outside of Albuquerque late at night, and, you know, the stars are out. It was also incredibly cold, as it can get in the high desert. Yeah. And it's probably 2 in the morning, and uh, Bob and Ray... And I got in the car and we drove out and we drove out and it's cold and Jonathan's cold and Werner is cold. And, and we show up and Banksy is just like, what are you assholes doing here? (laughs) And we're like, we came to watch your work. We wanted to make sure you knew your lines, all that kind of stuff, all the good natured ribbing. Um, And then Werner who works in Germany, mostly in Europe for the most of his career, uh, he, he was shocked. He was like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, we just came to support our friends. We wanted to come see. We know it's an important scene and you're out in the middle of the night. So we wanted to come support. And he was like, wow. Wow. I've Never seen that. And it that made us rare. sort of pause because it just became something that we did as a matter of course. And the beauty of it was is that Guess what, it didn't get so cold all of a sudden, because we're all chatting and we're telling jokes and we're doing this and we're doing that, and we watch a couple of takes of this beautiful scene. For those who you know, it's, it's the end of Werner at the hands of Mike under the beautiful stars and our cinematographer, mm-hmm. uh, Marshall Adams, just, it's gorgeous. The yeah. show is, is shot so wonderfully. And, and, uh, and we so got to witness that moment live and then I got to watch it later on. So uh, that's a moment that I remember. So long was, story
1: short, there's really nothing to do in Albuquerque. So you that's right. Yeah.
2: If it's nighttime, look, you can go to the high desert. That's about it. That's all you get.
1: Yeah. No, that's incredibly rare and that is really special. Like, you know, a lot of stories of um when you're shooting and, and you're doing coverage for someone like the actor just splits and isn't even there for your coverage or whatever, right? Yeah, I've been even a part to...
2: of that too is yeah. sometimes. And, and that's why as, as we sort of slid into this and, and hats off to Bob Odenkirk, who was number one on the call sheet. And, you know, that sets the tone. It just does. And he, uh, he was there committed to, to work and to make it um, a family. And I think he saw that because he saw uh, Brian Cranston. He saw him do the same thing and create that sort of bond for the Breaking Bad cast. And I think uh, Bob very much wanted to emulate that. And I think he successfully did without a doubt.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a great show. Congratulations, Thank my you, friend. Man. It's so fun to watch you. And I was, I was saying, it was funny. Uh, uh, we were going to a thing and I was talking about the show and talking about like the tension point being like, what happens to Rhea's character? Right. You know, cause she's not in the show and like, It didn't really click for me. Like, well, wait, you're not in Breaking Bad either. Like, where's Howard going to go? Right. And you were very quiet when I was talking about that. Obviously, you weren't going to spoil anything for me, but you were just like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, the next week, boom, I saw my friend. Boom, it goes. Yeah, my mother
2: was unhappy with that show, but I did warn her as well. And and to be fair, in terms of the pecking order of, you know... uh, Nacho not being in Breaking Bad, Kim Wexler not being in Breaking Bad or, or Howard Hamlin not being in Breaking Bad. I think it's fair to say we're all mostly concerned with Kim. I mean, I love Howard, but yeah. I think the fan base was very much like, what's going to go on with Kim? Because they really have uh, come to her side to be like, you know, rooting for her. Yeah. Although, to be fair, some of her actions in season six maybe have soured them on that.
1: Well, yeah. I we'll, mean... wait,
2: we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what fate has in store for her.
1: I love it. I, I wish this was just a talking Saul show, but that's yes, I know. A, that already there's, there's exists. There's more in the world, yes. <laughs> that already exists. So um, uh, let's talk about uh, politics and, and your political activism, because um, a lot of actors get involved, but you have really been involved. Like you were mentioning a fundraiser you did for our, our DA, George Gascon. Um yeah, and that, uh, that
2: that came about because of my sister in law who uh, was uh, used to reside up in San Francisco. So oh, and so she, she was familiar with him. She was familiar with him when and he was DA so She up helped there. spearhead, uh, you know, uh, let's do a fundraiser here. So we did it out of our house, and you know, we raised some money for him. I, I liked what he had to say. I liked uh, the idea of um, change for mm-hmm. our DA in Los Angeles. I think mm-hmm. it, I thought it was time. And like many people, by the way, uh, like many people uh, in their own city, um, you go about your day, you go about your life, you go about the thing that you need to get done. Is it lunch, is it kids, is it school, it's your job, this and that, and maybe some entertainment along the way. And, and the politics of, the, of, of what makes your city function and your state function sometimes just fall by the wayside. A sense of like someone's taking care of it, somebody else has get that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now to realize that, that somebody needs to be you. It's us, yeah. It is us, it's not, it's not my dad. Yeah. You know, because uh, even if my dad was in California, which he will never live in California, um, <laughs> you know, he's it's it's no longer his world. You know, I'm I'm 57. It may not even be my world anymore, frankly. Uh, mm. But at least I know enough and have lived long enough to know, oh, there are things that you need to do and take responsibility for instead of just pointing and saying, why is that broke? Or well, right. I'd like it to be like that. And so I like to uh, vote, fundraise, and endorse those kind of people who have a similar sort of... Uh, Outlook on what's being done.
1: Well, he's great. I do encourage uh, people who didn't hear last week's episode with him to go back and listen to his interview because um, he's doing some really amazing progressive reimagining the criminal justice system and and how we prosecute, how we really get rid of this prison industrial complex that we have. It's so baked Um, in. It's so, uh,
2: you know, I don't think, again, you drive past a prison or you hear about jail, you hear about this and that. Um, but when you really drill down into what's going on and you just called it the, the you know the industrial complex of it, the, the money making aspect of it, mm-hmm. to incentivize a nation and a people, uh, monetarily to incarcerate people is, is bad. I, I believe I'm yeah. not wrong, correct me I'm wrong, I believe the United States jails more people than anybody else in the world, with their own population.
1: We uh, we have what is it, I think four percent of the world's population and we incarcerate 25%. I mean, th- those are staggering, jaw-dropping
2: yeah. numbers, and if you don't know somebody who's been in prison, I bet you it's six degrees of separation real quick to get yeah. there, and uh, and that's why I like George as well. I, I think he does have some progressive ideas, and, and you can tell that he's got some ideas to uh, radically tra- transform things, um, and you can tell that because of the blowback that comes in such a sharp fashion oh, to say, gosh. like, he's this, he's terrible, and all, you know, and this goes to sort of, we can roll this right into the gun debate, you can roll this into a whole. Bunch of things. Um, uh, The way that we're doing things is not working. It's broken. Right. There's a broken society that is happening right now. It doesn't mean I don't love America or Los Angeles. It doesn't mean I'm not patriotic at all. It means I'm willing to look at the fact that certain things aren't working very well. Or if they are working, they're only working for a very few people who are profiting off the misery of other people. And so therefore, yeah. let's get people in charge and people in places of power who can maybe start to change the way we do things for the better of the whole.
1: Well, what I love about that and your attitude about that and what I've seen you do in Your actions is, like you talked about, um, you get involved in your community. You're not just looking at a problem and saying, uh, you know, someone needs to do something about that. But you recognize that we are the ones to step up and do that. And I've seen you volunteering and doing a lot of stuff. You did a, an awesome voter registration video that you were kind enough to lend your talent to um, back in 2018, which helped train a lot of Californians on how to register voters and made a, a really big impact. Um, thanks again for doing that. Absolutely. You know, but that's that thing of like... Um, you go, oh, why, why is this
2: law being passed? Or why is this thing happening at the school board? And what I learned from serving on the uh, Screen Actors Guild board mm-hmm. is that, well, the people who show up make the rules. Right. The people who actually show up to run for office and actually win if a majority or plurality of those people like-mindedly take over a board, take over an entity, the city council the that's governor's great mansion, point. Yeah. then all of a sudden that's going to rule. It may not be what you want, but then you've got to look back and point at yourself and say, well, what did I do to help? And, and if I can help register a couple more voters, because I believe strongly there should be a national holiday for voting. The fact that we don't have one is, is uh, uh, appalling. It's appalling because it really does go to show that the people in power, at least a lot of the people in power, do not want everyone to vote. Because if everyone voted, we'd have a much clearer idea. It goes like, you remember SoundScan? Well, we used to buy records and albums, kids, records and albums and CDs. Uh, You know, there was the perennial people who were number one in the charts and number one in the charts, and there was all this thing going on. Then all of a sudden, SoundScan happened, which means they basically put a chip in the CD. So as it walked out the door, it would actually count it. And I remember the the month that they put SoundScan in because all of a sudden, it turns out this guy named Garth Brooks was moving millions of CDs. But you wouldn't have known it for the month beforehand And then all of a sudden Garth Brooks is like wham and it was that reminder of like oh the people who were in charge of the record stores the people who were in charge of those things perhaps were just doing what was mostly financially beneficial for them and then when you started actually counting every true unit that was leaving things changed the landscape got a little more truer all of a sudden there was still money to be made but they hadn't they had ignored Garth Brooks and these other acts because They had ignored these acts, not because they weren't selling. In the same respect with voting, you know, who's afraid of having everybody vote? Well, I can name a couple of people off the top of my head, you know, the people who might find that their narrow-minded views uh, that have been funneled and gerrymandered to pieces uh, might find themselves out of power. And we're talking about power, ultimately, and the power that's Mm -hmm. over you and me and how we live our lives and whether the air is clean and whether the guns are in your schools. Uh Uh-oh, now it looks like I'm running for office.
1: Well, yeah, you and uh, Garth Brooks, I guess. Well, the, yeah, I, you know, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I, I'll be the vice, or maybe I'll just let him be the vice, so he
2: doesn't have to work so much, and no one will come to listen to me, but they'll all come for the musical act. How that about w- that?
1: That was a pretty incredible uh, voting analogy with uh, SoundScan and the sales. But you're right, you know, and um, I love, I love when you said uh, that it's the ones who show up that uh, that are writing the rules. And, and it really is true. It really is true on a local level. And we talk about it a lot on this show. Like one of the things that I started doing when I got involved class of November 2016, you were there at the very first Swing Left meeting that I, oh, yeah. and that I did. Um, was I just started showing up, and all of a sudden people were like, "Oh, great! We need someone to do this. So we need someone to fill this role and do that and everything." And and uh, I just want people to know that that like we need we need good people to show up to do the play these roles because if you don't. Less than good people are going to show up and and fill these spots. Yeah, look, and-
2: you, you, I'll say it for you: or bad people, or people with yeah. ill intentions, or people who yeah. are look. They're just talking about it last night. Some of the some of the tape conversations that they found about, uh, I think it was in Michigan, where uh, you know for the upcoming twenty twenty two and twenty twenty four election, there are people who are showing up and getting very active about making sure they flood the poll workers with people who are already predicated to saying the twenty twenty election was stolen. Yeah and and they are already of a mindset of like looking to intimidate and they're trying to find out what's the easiest way to gum up the works if the election doesn't go the way they want talk about a lack of uh, uh of uh of uh fair play okay. of being a, it, sometimes you win sometimes you lose because what we're setting up now is a dynamic in this country it seems without a doubt that uh let's name it who it is if the republicans don't don't win then something's wrong with the election. I, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I can't believe there hasn't been articles in the Pittsburgh Gazette and the Philadelphia Inquirer talking about all of those mail-in ballots that must have been fraudulent, all those ballots that came in after the date. I can't believe Dr. Oz and the other guy who right. are looking at the runoff, I'm sorry, yeah. they should be all thrown out, right? Because it's all corrupt, right? Isn't except, that amazing how except, we're not hearing anything yeah, about that No one's that talking right about that at all. And even yeah. if they were talking about it, you know, there's this whole, there's this whole uh, I'll just ignore it. I'll just ignore it, or I'll just say I never said that. I mean, this has been baked in for the last six or eight years of national politics. It's been as, as a holy writ on uh, quote-unquote news channels. I mean, look, uh, wherever you get your news from, uh, all of them are somewhat slanted, but if you're just watching infotainment talking heads that aren't actual journalists, and there are plenty out there that act like journalists with flag pins and, and big pompous music behind them, <laughs> but they are just they are just giving opinions they're also agitating they're agitating for your dollars what they're doing and also he goes all the way up to the chain to somebody for instance like a Rupert Murdoch who owns a company that does not really care about America or a country because he lives in the country of money he also may have an agenda where he wants to disrupt governments and he has the power to do so and guess what I I will I will say also if, if CNN Jeff Bezos People who own the Washington Post, who own media outlets, they all are culpable to a degree of having a slanted view. But there are certain fire throwers, bomb throwers out there in this in this country that are actively subverting the whole idea and notion of democracy, without a doubt. And oh, yeah. and I find that alarming. Going all the way back to so, if you don't show up, if you don't show up, and assume the other good guy's going to show up to make sure the elections are fair and and correctly run, regardless of who you're voting for. There will be people who are going to make sure that those elections don't run like that because it doesn't come to the account outcome that they want, and and that's hard because volunteering is hard and it's icky and it takes time out of your life, but it is so very very important. It's the spirit of what helped build this country. It's not icky. I
1: well, wouldn't say it's icky.
2: Okay, icky is not. Yeah. Now I'm <laughs> now I'm really sort of pontificating, and I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, but it it, it worries me. It worries me. You should be worried. And you should be worried because by the time it's gone, you'll be like, but wait a second. And there's been plenty of examples that been talking about us about, well, this is how this happened in this country at this time. This is how this happened in this history and the the blissful ignorance to somehow think that we are so exceptional, it would never happen here. Right. I think there's, there's an awakening, a great awakening that has to happen.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and we were talking right before we started recording about how audacious it it seems to even say stuff out loud that's really happening, like stuff like like you know kids being massacred and uh, women's rights to choose make their own healthcare. Roe v. Wade decisions. is going to be thrown out by the Supreme Court. That, like like stuff that would be like inflammatory rhetoric to throw out. It's just the fact of of how we're living right now. Yeah, you know, and uh, and it's scary, but. Um, what, what you, you said in there also was about the solution too. And that's like, you know, volunteering. Uh, if there's people coming to intimidate poll workers, we need to, more poll workers. Yeah. you know, um, I signed up to be
2: a poll worker last time around.
1: I remember that. Yeah. yeah. How I, was that experience?
2: Well, the experience was that, um, you know, I didn't cross my I or dot my T correctly. And so I wasn't on the list when I went to the polling oh. place I was supposed to be. So I was denied. Oh, wow. And I was like, but I'm but I have on my end I've got all this stuff and she goes I see all that but I don't have it on my end and I will say this I was glad because I wasn't on her list that she didn't let me work right because yeah. you know what that's the whole point she and I looked around and guess what it was it was it was all my local neighbors you know what i mean it was it was people i'm like oh i see you at ralphs and there you are doing your
1: thing you know and my, and you got the good feeling from stepping up to do something important and volunteer without actually having to do spend your time doing it so. right. <laughs> it's, it's like
2: thinking you're going to do a good deed and then not
1: actually having to follow through with yeah, it yeah like that's the best case scenario it
2: was <laughs> but but you know i was reminded when i went to actually vote uh, at the gymnasium in my local park um I looked at the ages of the people who were across the table, and uh, they're all like my mom and dad's age. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. They're in their 60s, 70s. Well, they're in their 70s and 80s is really what they were for mm-hmm. the most part. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, we need younger people here who know what's going on. And uh, and the fact that it works like that is wonderful, and it's very nostalgic. It's like, oh, and here's this paper ballad, and you go over to this thing. But that also leads me to this notion of like, do we put such such little value on this precious vote that gets flung around as, as political uh, uh, you know, uh, ammunition all the time that we can't come up with more money to make sure voting is more secure, to make sure that the voting machines are up to date. Can't we fund this? Can't we have a national holiday for voting? I mean, why? I- I'm not sure what the arguments against it are other than to make sure we disenfranchise a certain bunch of the population.
1: Well... Obviously, the only reason we haven't passed those, uh, you know, H.R. 1, first of all, uh, which was the first thing that came up in the House when we took the House back in the midterms and uh, once again in 2020. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of quote-unquote Democratic senators who uh, held that up who uh, want to hold on to the filibuster right now. So yeah, we're yeah, not uh. for that. but But, you know, I say that because... This is our opportunity coming up in the midterms now to expand the majority that we have in the Senate, and we really can't do it. And you were talking about uh, the mainstream media and, you know, the... What they like to talk about, they like the gloom and doom, you know, um, and it's a horse race. They, they Look, like it's it's horse not race, fun unless it's a horse race. But they it, unless... keep talking about historical precedent and, yeah. and all that. This is, these are unprecedented times. And, and we really have like from your state of Pennsylvania, we've got John Fetterman running for Senate there. Who is a very compelling candidate. And, uh, you know, we could gain a seat. And we should gain a seat there.
2: Yeah, but even saying we should, as soon as you say that, then, then the narrative gets twisted. However, here's the pitfalls that can happen. Da, 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 yeah, in not the gonna end, s- and I'm like, you're right because in the end, it's turnout. It's who shows up. Right. Who shows up and gets this thing done. And uh, uh, boy, you're right about. Uh, I don't like to blame the media. I make my living in the media. But, but there is a degree of, you know, it, look, they used to say this about the 6 o'clock news when we only had three networks. If it bleeds, it leads. And right. That's the whole thing. And it's just mm. transformed into clickbait for things as well. Do you remember there was a newspaper? This is how old I am. There was a newspaper <laughs> called Grit. What's it's a, a news A newspaper, paper? yes, that was called but, Grit. It was yeah. only good news. It was local good news. It mm. was things that went around. It was funded by, uh, I, I think, in, at least in Pennsylvania. George Soros? In the, <laughs> yes, the, in the evil cabal. Uh, no, it was funded by a philanthropist or somebody who had made his money and he wanted to put good news in the world. It's such a great, beautiful idea. And of course, he had to give it away for free because no one would pay for that. No one was paying for a newspaper that only had good news in it. Sort of anti-human nature in some sort of weird way. You know what I mean? We yeah. want to stare at the accident, not at the,
1: not at the sunrise and the sunset. Um all right. Well, let's let's uh, pivot from that yes, because please. that's a good segue into the last question that uh, we always ask everyone. I'm so, I apologize to anybody
2: who stuck with me yelling at them for this entire time. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: It's inspiring and it's inspiring. Uh, you know, look, I love you. You're a, a good friend and I appreciate you everything that you do as a human. Um, and I doubly appreciate when someone has a platform and they're, uh, not shy about using it, uh, for this really important stuff, uh, because not everyone makes that choice, you know, for reasons. And I don't always, yeah, I don't, I don't like begrudge someone, you know, not being vocal about their politics online or whatever, if they choose not to be, but, um, but this is, this is a different time, and this is a time where where we need to make our voices heard. So, I appreciate you for that very, very much. Um, and uh, and so to to use the segue of the good news, um, having said all this stuff, I do want to say one thing, because this this story and this memory is just you know in my brain and will never leave. We were together on election night, two thousand sixteen. And um, uh, we were having a party with our daughters to watch the first female president get elected. And um, there was a couple, and I don't even remember who they were, but they brought their little baby over. Oh, yeah. And as stuff started to get really dark... You grabbed that baby. <laughs> you grabbed that baby and didn't let go. And I remember, like, uh, our friend Kira was next to me, and she was getting really upset, and I was in full on denial. So I was just like, right. "Oh, we weren't gonna win that that state anyway. It's fine. It's gonna be fine." There's she's plenty like, more states out like, there. There's lots of more states. We got this. And she's <laughs> like, well, is not that really bad, Steve?" "No, no, we're it's okay." And and I just remember you were just got really quiet, and you were just. Holding some stranger's baby. Right? Yeah, well, it was for my dear it was, life. It was
2: my pacifier for that moment in time. <laughs> because, like you said, we took pictures when we went to vote. Uh, we showed the kids the outside of the polling place because it was it was going to be a historic evening, and it turned out to be a historic yeah. evening that somebody could pull an inside straight and win the presidency with seventy thousand votes spread over three different states. Yeah, and uh, yeah, not that those numbers stick in my brain, but they do. And that was that's what happened. You know and we didn't have a recount then and we didn't have people storm the Capitol then right you know mm-hmm. um and yet somehow i, I mean look i'm in we show had a, business. we had a peaceful yeah and
1: really depressing I just, transfer I, the, of power the
2: the, the books will be written later about the the abject fealty to some to, to the host of celebrity apprentice <laughs> is really what makes me crazy mm-hmm. i'm just like wow it's about something else obviously he's merely a symbol or a, a totem for something else that has been brewing in the country for a long time but but in the end, if you just look at like, this is what, you're, this is what you hitched your wagon to, and then yeah. my next question is, and, and for what? Not, not the first time, by the way. The first time, I have people who I'm very close with who made a vote to blow up the system, to sort of throw a wrench because they were, they'd had it with everybody. I can honor that. But after four years of what I saw, to go there again, that's what I'm interested in. I'm really interested yeah. in what that's
1: about and maybe someday you know, a lot of some psychologists
2: and some people and sociologists will actually drill down and come up with an answer but i don't i don't know if I they think will that
1: i remember the 2020 election it was so jarring obviously we won it was great news but the fact that so, so many, many people, people cast people again yeah. voted for uh, that hate
2: you know um, right that's what disturbed me too and it disturbed me for my daughter's future as well i was like oh oh this is really an, this was a 4 years of unmasking of uh, a, a part of the country that I live in and love. And uh, I don't want to eradicate it. I want to turn it around. I want to help change a viewpoint if, yeah. if, if it can be had.
1: Okay, so I took a big, long detour yeah, yeah, yeah. there because I wanted to talk about that story. But, um, you know, coming from that place back in 2016 yes, and how dark that time was and everything that's led up to this moment that we're in right now and the opportunity that we have once again to build... Not to like hold on for our dear lives and try to hold on to the House and the Senate, but actually expand our majority in the Senate, pass legislation, get rid of the filibuster, and really do the stuff that we want to do as Democrats. What gives you the most hope right now looking into the future? Wow. Well, and I am hopeful. I'll tell you what, back to the media real quick.
2: The narrative of like, oh, the Democrats are in disarray. Boy, it happened before. So it's really going to happen again. That's like playing roulette and looking at those numbers next to the roulette table, which have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what is going to be spun on this particular turn. This November, we have the ability to expand our majorities. We have a majority to expand the majority in the Senate, a real majority in the Senate, with reliable votes to be had. Right. Um, so what makes me excited, actually what makes me excited is that, um, and weirdly, there's been such bad, horrible news, and in my mind, overreach, from a, a minority of the country, well-funded and braying loud like donkeys, that I think has woken up the majority of the country. Mm. The blood that's spilled every day is undeniable. The stripping away of citizens' rights by overturning Roe v. Wade, what country are we living in? Yeah. Those sort of things I think are animating people who, are, or who have taken their rights and their, their government um, complacently and for granted. Oh, I guess that's the way it is. And now they realize that it could be a lot worse and it's waking up a lot of people to say, you know what, who is representing me? How do I get this person out of here? To your point, Fetterman in, in Pennsylvania, not exactly the Democrat you would have envisioned about 10 years ago. No. But boy, he's a Democrat for our times, without a doubt. Yeah. I like him very much. I like his energy. And I think he taps into an area that, uh, that needs to be voiced out. And I think there's more people like that all across the country. I believe more people live in metropolitan areas in the this, in this United States than live in the rural areas. And there's got to be a way that we can actually have a balance of representation that actually uh, mirrors that. Mm-hmm. Because I think being the dog wagged by the tail anymore is not working out and is not intrinsically fair. So for 2022, I'm excited about getting people out to vote to remind them that these, th- th- I know it seems like this is the election of your lifetime.
1: It is. But guess what? It really is. It
2: really is. They yeah. are now getting ready to ready to strip away rights. Uh, Ted Cruz and the Republicans think making your children's school into prisons is the answer. Look, are you in the side of the kids? Or are you in the side of the killers? That's what Eric Swalwell said today. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be more succinct and it couldn't be clear. Everything else is just garbage, nonsense, and noise. What side are you on? Well, I'm voting for the side of the people who want to protect our children. I'm voting for the people who want to go ahead and take a look at climate change. I'm voting for the people who want to make sure that half of our population, the female half, is not stripped of their autonomy. That's who I'm voting for. And for me, it's crystal clear. I don't mind talking about it all the time. Come at me with whatever opinions you have and stuff like that. But I don't know how you stand on any leg that is is anti that. But that's okay, because I count on the fact that there is a majority of people in this country in each county, city, and state that feel the same way. And I think it's time for, quote unquote, to steal a line from Nixon The silent majority of people who are tired of this bullshit and nonsense are going to rise up and give us majorities in the Senate and the House so we can finally start legislating the way the majority of Americans want.
1: Wow. I'm going to leave it on the Nixon quote right? <laughs> uh, which is the f- a first for our show but uh, but Patrick man thank you so much I'm so glad I'm sorry that uh, you Uh-oh. know um, that it took me this long to get you on the that's damn, okay if I get another show. series maybe you'll have me but, back but it's such know. a fancy show you're on so I oh, had to I take know. advantage right yeah <laughs> yeah no I get it I get it and again, anybody who's listening I apologize if you feel like your father's been
2: yelling at you at the dinner table I,
1: it's, it's <laughs> Patrick Fabian, thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Mariah, what's your reason for hope this week?
0: Um, my reason for hope is um, LeBron James, who mm. who does he does a lot for the community, and I think sometimes he does it. He says some loudly and some things quietly. Um, but the latest thing, he's speaking out on behalf of Brittany Greiner, who we've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. She's the WNBA star who is still in custody in Russia um, and where, uh, you know, information about her is very vague. We're hoping that, you know, the State Department gathers more information, stays in contact with her and ensures that if she's you know she's a part of the justice system there that um it works fairly for her so i mean the ideal thing would be to have her out i think yeah. everybody has pointed out that she was arrested right before russia invaded ukraine and that there might be some politics at play here which is um Undoubt- terrifying. Undoubtedly ter- true yeah terrifying and unfair um so uh, glad that people are keeping her name um and when LeBron says a name it it keeps it in the news. So that's my reason for hope.
1: That's great. Yeah. I think about her a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's kind of mind-blowing that she's not in the news more and that there's not more pressure to bring her home.
0: Yeah. Um that's my reason for hope. What's your reason for hope, Steve?
1: Uh, real quick, uh, I'm, it's a primary day here in California. And um, as this drops tomorrow, we'll know more results. So as always, because we record on Tuesdays, um, we, <laughs> we are flying blind here. But uh, so far from what I have seen from the early turnouts, um, it's heavy, dim turnout, which is exciting to see. That gives me a lot of hope. Um, we have some key congressional races here in california that are going to be essential to us uh... staying in control in the house of representatives uh... i'm excited uh... to have the primaries behind us and to really dig in and and work for these congressional candidates make sure that we hold on to the house so a lot of hope there we you know we are a blue state but we have a, you know, a lot of enthusiasm uh, uh, from republican voters especially in these orange county districts um, and, uh, and we're not seeing that play out as much so far in these turnout results. So that's exciting.
0: So um, I'm glad to hear uh, that turnout numbers are looking high because I know that there was some concern about um, early voting ballots being turned in. And of course, there are primaries in six other states as well that we're eagerly keeping an eye on, um, particularly in Iowa and a couple other places. So looking forward to talking about that next week.
1: And just to be clear, I, I didn't mean to say that turnout overall is high because it's not. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot more work to do, especially with our primaries to get people showing up. Um, but overall, the percentage of Democrats is way higher than Republicans that have been returning their ballots. So that's what's encouraging. Okay, discouraged you know. with the overall civic engagement, but encouraged with the <laughs> the partisan um, percentages.
0: Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This is How We Win. We win when we all get involved.
1: We would love to hear from you. Please send us an email at hello at com, or send us a tweet at bluesboysteve or at Mariah underscore Craven.
0: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. We appreciate you being
1: here with us. We'll be back with some more next Wednesday.